One of my pet peeves is how people tend to use the word hope. If I were to ask you a question about the future, and I said to you, you know, uh, I just asked you a question about the future, you may say, well, I, I hope so. For example, if I were to ask you, do you think the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl this year? You might say, I hope so. But see, in that sentence, in that I hope so, there's a twinge of expectation, but a twinge of doubt as well. And for good reason, the Bears stink. Now see, here's the great thing about uh, being here like with hardly anybody in the room, is I can rail on, I could take 20 minutes and talk about how much I hate the Chicago Bears, and nobody could stop me. And so that, that how, I mean, I'm not going to do that. I'm not gonna, I, I only have 10 minutes of material about how much the Bears stink. So I promise you, I'm, I'm not going to go on for 20 minutes about how much I hate the Chicago Bears. Um, actually, I'm going to stop right now, because you're all going to come back eventually. <laughs> um, but uh, when I ask a question, and you say, I hope so, there's a, a twinge of doubt. If I were to say, do you think, if you were to ask me, Sean, do you think that we'll be back together worshiping in our church building by Easter Sunday? I would say, I hope so, but there's a twinge of doubt there because things aren't getting much better uh, very fast. And so I'm, I'm telling you, if, even if we can't, we can still do this. We can still do this. And while it's not the best substitute, it is the best substitute we've got. And so we're going to keep doing it. You know, when we use that word hope, we tend to think of it more of like a wish. Uh, we tend to think of it more as a, a, a less of an expectation, and, and, and we do tend to use it with a little bit of doubt. And that's not the biblical idea of hope. And I want to talk about that with you this evening, this biblical idea of hope and how we can have hope in uncertain times. We started a series last week called Uncertain Times. And this series is based on a verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and this is what it says. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We started last week by, by talking about how we need to have faith in uncertain times. We looked at a couple passages of scripture, including the story of when Peter walked on the water out to Jesus. And how Peter was full of faith when he jumped out of the boat. But then he started to see the wind and the waves. And he took his eyes off of Jesus and got distracted by the wind and the waves. And he began to sink. You know, in these uncertain times, we might take our eyes off of Jesus. We might take our eyes off of God. And we get distracted by the media. We get distracted by news reports. We get distracted by social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We get distracted by these different things that cause us to take our eyes off of Jesus and we start to sink. We may sink into anxiety. We may sink into depression. We may sink into fear. But when we take our eyes off the distractions and put them back on Jesus, we're not going to sink. And even when we do, even when we start to sink, Jesus immediately reached down and helped Peter back up and got him back in the boat. And I'm telling you tonight that if you're starting to lose faith, if you're starting to sink, Jesus is going to catch you because he loves you and he's going to get you back in that boat. So tonight we're going to talk about having hope 
in uncertain times. We're going to look at several different passages of Scripture. Our main passage is from the book of Romans, chapter 8. Now, when I was a, a young preacher, uh, I took on the, the monumental Herculean task of trying to preach through the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a great book. It's full of truth, and it, it's full of theology. It's really, really rich and really, really deep. I liken it to trying to swim in molasses in January. It is so theologically rich and deep. And so I was young, I was maybe 24 years old, and I thought, I'm going to preach through the book of Romans. I got halfway through the first chapter and said, nope, I'm done, I'm out. I need to preach something else, something a little more in my wheelhouse, um, something more like Dr. Seuss rather than uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Dr. Uh, Fee or uh, uh, Dr. Bruce. Uh, those are theologians, never mind. Um, so uh, I, I realized I was way in over my head when I preached from the book of Romans. I've never tried to do it again. I never tried to preach through the entire book again. But I do preach from it from time to time, and that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look a little bit at the book of Romans chapter 8. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Romans 8. If you don't have a Bible, but you want to look it up on your phone or on your tablet or on your computer, you can go to like uh, a Bible Gateway uh, or YouVersion. Uh, those are two Bible apps that you can use and look up Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 18 through 30 uh, this, this evening and as we talk about what it means to have hope in uncertain times. Let's look at verses 18 through 21 as we begin. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Now, the author of the book of Romans is the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to the church at Rome. Uh, and in uh, this passage here, uh, he talks about how the creation is subject to decay, that back in the Garden of Eden, when humanity first sinned, when humanity first fell, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, it brought into uh, the world some curses. And one of those curses is the decay of creation, that things die. And, and because of their sin, there are things like cancer. There's things like COVID-19. There are diseases and decay. And, and one of the curses of sin is that we all die. But there's hope because there's coming a day when God is going to make all things new. He is going to redeem and restore his creation. And the creation that is in bondage to uh, decay and death will no longer be in bondage to decay and death. No, there is hope for us all. There is hope for creation. There is hope for the children of God. Now, I want to share with you a Greek word. The, the, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek, and the ancient Greek word for hope is the word elpis. It's the word elpis, and it literally means an expectation of good, a joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. It is an expectation, a confident expectation, if you will, a joyful expectation of salvation. That's what real hope is. It's not a wish upon a star. Uh, it's not a dream. 
It's not a genie in a lamp that you rub hoping that something happens. No, there is an expectation that we can have when we have hope. And the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. There's an expectation, a joyful and confident expectation that things are going to, turn, to change. Things are going to turn around. Things are going to get better. And, and so uh, through this uh, hope that we have, we know that no matter what has happened in the past, and, and that no matter what disease may come, no matter what illness may come, no matter what circumstances may happen, no matter how bad things may get, they will get better. And there is coming a day when Christ returns and he will make all things new and we will spend forever with him in eternal life. Let's keep going. Verses 22 through 25. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. And again, hope is a confident expectation. And because we know, because we are confidently expecting God to do something amazing, we can wait patiently for it. Because we know that it is a certainty. We know that we can expect it. We know that it will happen. Paul says that the creation has been groaning as in the, pain, as in the uh, pains of childbirth. And, and, and for uh, a woman who is pregnant and about to give birth, there is the pain of contractions and the, the, the labor pains that go along with that. And she's able to endure it, not just because of an epidural. She's able to endure it because of the expectation of the child to be born. That there is a joyful and confident expectation that there's a baby coming She's able to endure what she has to endure in order to give birth to that baby. And so the, the world uh, is groaning, is groaning out uh, as things continue to progress toward the return of Christ. The, the world is groaning, and there are things like natural disasters. There are things uh, that are painful. There are things like diseases and, and illnesses. And, and the creation is groaning, waiting for things to be made new, waiting for Jesus to return. And we too, Paul says, we too groan inwardly as we await for the day of our adoption, as we await for the day that we are brought into the family of God, as we await for the day that we are brought closer to him, the day that we spend forever with him. We groan for that. We long for that. We yearn for that. I yearn for that. The day when I get to see my Savior face to face. And my adoption into the family of God will be complete because I will be home. And so will you. Let's keep going. Verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with with the will of God. And so the creation groans. We groan inwardly. And Paul says that the Holy Spirit groans on our behalf. This is our hope. That when we don't know what we ought to pray for. When we don't know what to say. Have, have you ever had a time in your life 
when you were praying, but the words just couldn't come. It, it, maybe it was just tears, or, or maybe it was just the word why over and over and over again. Maybe it was just a, a, a silent scream to heaven. Uh, maybe it was just a two-word prayer, help me. Maybe you've had that kind of a prayer in your life. You didn't even know what to say, or even if you could make the words come out. Paul says that the Holy Spirit of God intercedes for you, stands in between you and God, and, and interprets and, and intercedes and groans on your behalf so that the words that need to be said are said. And that whether you have the most eloquent prayer life, or like I said, maybe it's just a two, three word prayer, help me Lord, uh, I need you Jesus, Help him, Lord. Help her, Lord. God knows. And the Spirit intercedes in ways that we can't even understand. That even when we don't pray according to the will of God, the Holy Spirit does and intercedes on your behalf when you're praying. How amazing is that? That's the hope that we have, the hope that even our feeble attempts at prayer are lifted up to the Father on our behalf by God's Spirit. I want to close out this passage by looking at verses 28 through 30. And we know, now this may be your favorite verse, it's one of my favorites, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. First Romans 8, 28. That's a verse that if you've got a Bible, and you, you need to underline that verse. You need to highlight that verse. It's okay to write in your Bible. Really, it's okay. That's a verse you got to remember, that in all things, in everything, God is working for the good of those who love him, who are called. And, and, and Paul goes on to explain a little bit about predestination and calling, that in God's foreknowledge, he knew that there would, people, would be people who would respond to his call, and he predestined that anyone who responded to his call would be justified and forgiven and set free. And so God knew before time began, before he created anything, before Jesus came, he knew that there would be people who would respond to his call and he predestined that anyone who would respond to his call, he chose them to be saved by the blood of his son Jesus. And so we know that God is working all things out for good on your behalf, on my behalf, on our behalf. God is working everything out for good. So we can trust him. We can believe him. Not just believe in him, but believe him. And we can have hope. And not just hope beyond the grave. Not just hope of eternal life. Not just hope in heaven. But we can have hope here on earth. That confident expectation. That joyful, confident expectation of salvation. That joyful, confident expectation that God is going to work it out for good. And he can take bad things and make them good. He can take negative situations and bring good out of them. He can take evil and turn it out for good. You gotta trust him. He knows what he's doing. He's still in charge, and he's still in control, and you gotta trust him. 
Don't lose hope. There's another place that this word elpis is used, and it's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Check out this verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That our hope is alive. It's not, like I said, it's not a dream. It's not a wish upon a star. It is a real, rock-solid, confident expectation in a living, risen Savior named Jesus. That Jesus, though he was crucified, walked out of the tomb on the third day just like he said he would. That God raised him from the dead. God rolled away the stone and Jesus came walking out of that tomb. That cannot be said of any other religious leader in the history of the world. Only one, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus wants to spend forever with every single one of you. He wants to spend forever with you. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing in him, by turning away from your sinful life in repentance, by acknowledging your faith, by confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord and being baptized, that that God will come into your life and he will fill you with hope like you've never known. Some of you are out there and and wondering, well, you know, should I get baptized? The answer is yes. And and I I want you to get in touch with me. I want you to call me at 219-924-6840. Call our church office. And and let's set up a time to get together and talk. Uh, We may have to do it on the phone for right now. Or when COVID-19 is over, we can get together face to face. But this is the best and most important decision you can ever make in your life is to follow Jesus Christ. And to experience the hope that he can give. This living hope that he can give. In the Old Testament, there's a passage of scripture I want to share with you real quick. It's from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. The author of Lamentations says this, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions or his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope is, whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The, the Old Testament word, the, the Hebrew word for hope in this passage is the word yachal. It's yachal, and it means to expect, to wait, or to hope. And, and I love what the author of Lamentation says, that God's mercies are new every morning, that every day that you wake up, every morning you wake up, God has new mercy for you. God has daily mercy for you. That the sins of yesterday, the mistakes and the errors and the, 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 the lack of good choices and the poor decisions you made yesterday, those are gone. When you wake up in the morning, there's new mercy for you. That there is new hope for you. There is new forgiveness for you. There is new life for you. Each and every day, as faithful as the sun is to rise, so God is faithful. He says, great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness to forgive, to show mercy, to show love day after day after day. This is our God. This is our hope. And notice that that word you call means to wait, 
to expect and to wait. There's that expectation, but there's also waiting. And, and trust me, as we await Jesus' return, know this, it is good enough and great enough and awesome enough, it is good enough to wait for. So we wait, we wait quietly for the Lord. Now there are two things you need to know and one thing you need to do to put this message into practice. The first is this, you gotta know this. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope because God is still good. Don't lose hope because God is still good. Remember what the book of Romans says. He is working all things out together for good. God is not bad. God is not evil. God does not tempt, nor does he, nor does he tempt us to do evil, and he cannot be tempted to do evil, because God is holy, and God is pure, and God is perfect, and God is good. And he works all things together for good. He can take the most dire of circumstances and bring good out of them. He can take the most evil of situations and bring good out of them. He can take the worst of diseases and he can bring good out of them. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know that he can and I know that he will. This is my hope and this is your hope that God can do anything and that he can bring good out of bad situations. Don't lose hope because God is still good. He is good to you. He is good to me. And we should praise him and thank him for his goodness. Secondly, don't lose hope because God isn't finished. Don't lose hope because God isn't finished. There's still more to come. This is our hope. God's not done yet. He hasn't given up. COVID-19, guess what? Doesn't scare God. Doesn't scare him one bit. God isn't frightened by it. And if God's not frightened by it, you shouldn't be frightened by it because God's still in control. God's not done yet. He isn't finished yet. So don't lose hope. And, and in your prayers, I want you to pray for an end to this pandemic. I want you to pray for an end to this global pandemic, knowing that God hears your prayers and that he will answer them according to his perfect will in his perfect time. Pray for an end to this pandemic. And when you do that, I want you to pray this specific prayer. Pray that God would bring glory to himself by what he does. That God would glorify himself by what he does. We have a purpose in this life. It's to know God and glorify God. That is our purpose, to, to know God and to glorify God. And the deepest longing of our souls should be for God to be glorified. And so I want to encourage you, when you pray this week for an end to this pandemic, pray that God would do something amazing that would bring glory to him. So that all people, all in every corner of this globe, that all people in every continent, in every nation, in every state, in every county, in every city, in every home, that everyone on this planet would know that there is a God who is good and who loves us and who is giving us and filling us with this living hope through his son, Jesus Christ. So pray that God would bring glory to himself by bringing an end to this pandemic. Can you do that? I know you can. So you need to don't lose hope because God is still good. And don't lose hope because God isn't finished. Now, the one thing you need to do is you need to do this. Wait quietly in hope for God to do something good. 
Wait quietly in hope for God to do something good. Now, this is important. See, sometimes when we wait for something, well, we, we, we wait in doubt. We don't wait in hope. We wait in doubt. We think, well, it may happen. It might not. And we have doubts about whether or not it's going to happen or not. I'm telling you right now, our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is alive. And our hope is certain. We can have a confident expectation that God will do something good. But notice, we need to wait for God to do something good, but we need to wait quietly for God to do something good. And I'm talking about losing our minds, flying off the handle. I know you're cooped up at home. You're cooped up with the 2.5 kids. You're cooped up with a spouse that you haven't seen very much in the last 15 years because you're both working like crazy. And now all of a sudden you're staring across the, bit, uh, the breakfast table every morning at one another going, I think I know you, but I'm not sure. And you're, you're staring across the, the breakfast table at your kids going, these can't be my kids. My kids aren't this crazy. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Love that family. Love your family well and wait quietly. I know you're cooped up. I know you're losing your mind. I know you're going crazy. Don't turn to social media to vent or to lose your mind on social media. Wait quietly for God to do something good. Getting on Facebook and ranting and raving about your family, that's not waiting quietly. And you're not expecting God to do something good. Lead your family well. Love your family well. And wait quietly for God to do something good. Because he will. Because God takes bad situations and he brings good out of them. God can do anything. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He knows exactly what you need. So don't lose hope because God is up to something and we got to believe that he's up to something good because he is. So don't lose hope because God is good. He's still good. Don't lose hope because God isn't finished and wait quietly in hope for God to do something good. And when we do that, when we trust him, when we put our hope in Jesus, then we will truly not lose hope in these uncertain times. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we're so grateful that we have a living hope in Jesus. We're so thankful that you raised him from the dead, that he came back to life to give us a living hope. I, I pray for my friends out there watching. And I ask that you would remind them of your goodness, remind them of your grace, and remind them of your incredible love, and that you can do anything, and that you can do everything, and that we can put our faith in you, and we can put our hope in you, knowing that you will never, ever fail. For you are good, and you are God. We praise you, we bless you, we thank you, we wait quietly and patiently for you to do what only you can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.